Good afternoon and welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Leadership Tools and Strategies. Certainly thrilled to have you in in mid-March as we celebrate the wonderful things that are happening in the millennial uh, world. We're looking at the nonprofit and how and why millennials matter in the nonprofit. Uh, so thrilled to have you in as always. I am your host, Todd Greer, Executive Director of CenterVision Leadership Foundation. Our guest today is Joan Cole, founder of Why Millennials Matter, author of the soon-to-be-released Five Most Important Questions. She's also the co-author of First Globals with John Zogby, and we're going to be talking a lot today about millennials in the nonprofit world. If you've been following us over the last couple of weeks, you've seen that this is an important theme for us, and it's an important theme for a very good reason. All of our statistics that we see show if you're not ready for millennials, you're in deep trouble because soon they will be the majority in your organization. So how do we harness the, the excitement? How do we recognize and mentor and grow them? And how do we make sure that our organizations are fluid and fast enough to work through the future? Again, we're, we're just so thrilled to have Joan Cole with us. If you were with us on our panel discussion when we launched the March issue of the magazine, you got introduced to Joan as she shared her ideas and thoughts with our, our wonderful panel. And you'll be able to continue the concepts and the thoughts as we go forward. Uh, just a quick reminder, you can check out Joan and all of our contributors to the March issue, centervisionleadership.org slash magazine go access the free issue there if you want subscribe to the hard copy you can get the PDF you can do anything that you want but there is fantastic content that you do not want to miss uh, also Thursday night at 9 p.m. we invite you in to engage on the discussion we'll be talking a little bit deeper about why millennials matter about the importance and the engagement there and we'll even be teasing a little bit with the five most important questions. So we are really looking forward to having you in with us. All right, that's enough of me talking. Joan Cole, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Todd. It is always a, a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, I, I constantly find that whenever we're engaging in conversation, uh, that you're challenging my thinking and that you're provoking me uh, to, to go deeper in, in my understanding not only of millennials, but uh, of organizations in general. <laughs> so for the person who doesn't know you, Joan, who are you and what do you do? My name is Joan Cole, K-U-H-L. I've gotten all the jokes every which way. Um, I'm the founder of a company called Why Millennials Matter, based here in New York City. And uh, we're, we're a speaking, research, and consulting agency. Um, the purpose in our mission is twofold. One side is really to inspire and empower young talent, everything from students to interns to young professionals to achieve their potential and really arm them with insights and success strategies to achieve their goals. The other side is increasing awareness with the brands and the organizations that want to invest in them as future leaders, um, attract them, engage them, develop them, and retain them. And this also goes for the brands that want to um, gain their, their loyalty and are open to their insights as a customer segment. So um, 
I also, as you mentioned before, I'm involved in this exciting new book, a spin-off edition of Peter Drucker's The Five Most Important Questions, available March 23rd in all major book outlets. And um, just the privilege to be a part of a movement with my mentor, Francis Hesselbein, um, to, to inspire a new generation of Drucker followers, and I think Hesselbein followers as well, because she's mm -hmm. been such an incredible mentor, is just exciting. His wisdom is timeless, and so um, when I think about the knowledge I have about millennials and their role in the future, but I think about the disconnect that exists today in the workplace, even at home, this is another great leadership tool to, to help bridge uh, the communication gaps. Absolutely. And Joan, I, I love um, the things that you're doing. And you're also, am I correct, you're also a, a board member for the Hesselbein Leadership Institute? Yes. So my role um, is I'm a, I'm a board member and I've been the youngest board member for about six years of the Francis Hesselbein Leadership Institute, which was formerly Leader to Leader. And before that, <laughs> I was actually founded as the Peter F. Drucker Nonprofit Foundation when Peter was alive um, and, and Francis was one of the founding uh, uh, leaders um, and in conjunction with that too six years ago I was able to work with Francis to launch the global Hesselbein Student Academy based out of the University of Pittsburgh it's for student leadership and civic engagement we bring 50 students from all over the world together every summer for a leadership summit and 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 really and so just so you know the, the, the proceeds of, of, of the book uh, that you have a copy of um, all go to supporting the Francis Hesselbein Leadership Institute and continuing um, its great work um, and and putting out new emerging resources for for all ages, uh, but you know with a specific focus and investment on future leaders. That's fantastic, and one of the reasons, folks, I want you to understand where Joan is coming from because Joan is a nonprofit leader as well as somebody who's a brand uh, speaker who's working with uh, both ends of that millennial conduit, the the individuals as well as the organization. So she understands the context that you're in and she's working with some very high level leaders here. So that brings it a little bit back to us for focus here. Now, Joan, this is kind of an odd issue and an odd question, but you've spent a lot of time on millennials. Why? <laughs> um, well, I, I also wanted to add something to the previous and then I'll tell you uh, why millennials matter to me. Personally, the first one thing that it's really important for me to share is that I believe that my success and my confidence, even as a leader, but just my personal values, have all all have the, a foundation in the nonprofit world. Um, even though I, I launched my career in the pharmaceutical industry and I spent 13 years in corporate, from sales, marketing, account management, training and development, all in parallel with my corporate career, I was heavily involved in my community through nonprofit leadership and volunteerism. And I think, particularly in the early parts of my career, that, that tough transition from college to, to the workplace, I felt like I had more opportunities to contribute, to um, be creative, to be innovative, um, to really grow my leadership in those nonprofit roles where they were more appreciative and sometimes more willing to give out recognition. Um, and I felt like sometimes the challenges were even greater in what we were working to do and fundraising and event planning and you know hands-on the mentoring that I did. I spent I, I, I spent a lot of my time uh, with organizations that had a focus on on young girls and young women, Step Up for Women, uh, Girls Hope, uh, 
obviously the Girl Scouts through Francis and then my alma mater was really important to me to be an alumni volunteer and be a mentor to students that had the same path as I but I so I share that to answer your question as well that the nonprofit world to me means so much and and I really think it's important that um, if you choose to pursue a career in any other industry or sector that you think about how you can be involved always in the social sector and that work um, because I think it it really helped me find a sense of purpose which means that all the while I started to connect the dots when you look back at my career I've always just cared about what young people think I've been inspired by helping them achieve their potential because people did that for me I, I, I came from a, um, you know, a high school and a small town where nobody I knew wore a business suit to work and all I wanted to do was launch this career and live in New York City one day and I started getting involved with nonprofits even in high school and they put on leadership summits similar to what we've built in Francis's name and I would just see professionals or just men and women from different, different uh, professions dedicate their time and volunteer to be around to inspire me and so that that then uh, in turn um, directed my focus for my MBA work and uh, I started doing real research and trying to understand what are the motivators and the influencers of young men and women and then you know I think is the boom of the millennial word and the buzz everywhere it, it just it just fit you know, for right now, being the largest generation, um, the opportunity to share my findings, my insight, and gather even more research to help others, uh, you know, better engage to also invest in young men and women in their future. Yeah, and, and you talk about your research and your insight, and I'm not sure if, if that uh, work that you did in, during your master's program is, um, is that the work that led to First Globals with uh, John Zogby, or is this uh, preceding stuff? It's part of it. So um, I did some independent study work during my MBA program about generational dynamics in the workplace. Um, but I also started just doing uh, focus groups and a lot of research all the while and on a volunteer basis, just out of just this was my passion. This was my, as they now call it, the side hustle. And, and John Zogby and I actually met, both speaking, keynoting at a conference. I was like, I was five months pregnant then, so I'm surprised he even <laughs> took the time to talk to me. I was, I was um, all over the place. But we, I was there to speak um, about millennials, and he was there to talk about um, the New York, upstate New York, and their opportunities in terms of regional development, and what could they do to invest in their future. I apologize, I think we hear. Right. Give me a second one. Um, you just dated yourself, by the way, with that ringtone. I know. I know. <laughs> Millennial has that ringtone. There you go. Um, sorry, so John Zogby and I met, and what I thought was interesting about John is, besides the fact that he's this international polling company, um, but that he it was the first time I heard somebody in his generation talking about millennials in the same positive way that I did. And so we struck up a conversation and said, you know, let's connect our resources and do some research together. So it took, you know, the culmination of all of my my research and work and, and, and my observations, being a manager and a recruiter and, and a mentor for so long, and um, put it out there. And, and our, our research spans 79-plus countries. So that was great validation for what I believed. Sure. And, and, and your work... Um, you found a lot of interesting things, and I know that you've continued and you've done some work with the Barnes and Noble um, 
co college, and, and I'm not sure what the, the specific name is there, but I know it's Barnes & Noble College, and you guys have done some unique work. What kinds of findings have you seen at, on a macro level in regard to millennials in, in, in the world? So Barnes & Noble College um, is now a separate entity from Barnes & Noble, Inc. That was just announced two weeks ago, but Barnes & Noble College operates and manages 725 campus bookstores across the country. So that means that they're connecting with 5.2 million millennial students every day. They employ 10,000 in their stores as booksellers. And so my role as their career expert uh, first started with research. And to your question, um, we did a huge study where we asked students what was on their mind. Again, what motivated them, what influenced their career decision, what, how would they describe their ideal boss? Um, who would they? Who do they see as having the largest influence in their life and, and mentors? And then we talked to them about their skills, and um, we had an unbelievable response. We had seventeen thousand open-ended responses. So if you think about college students today, writing paragraphs, emotionally uh, conveying their their opinion, their beliefs, their dreams, their goals, it was overwhelming. So. What, what we found that was interesting uh, was was first that they every there's a myth out there that they think that millennials want to be CEO tomorrow that they're lazy they're entitled all of that and these students um, actually are very focused they know exactly entering school on what they want to pursue what job that interests them you know what their field of study is going to be. Uh, but then there's sometimes there tends to be a disconnect in terms of getting earlier experience to really try that job on for size for them mm -hmm. to really understand what that subject of interest means professionally and the, and the other side of it was that uh, we asked the students what they thought would be the right skills what are, what are recruiters what what is the workplace no matter what sector or industry you want to go into what do you think will help you be successful mm -hmm. and what they shared was very consistent from what I hear of recruiters and anybody that's hiring uh, new grads, which they need communication skills, problem solving skills, good judgment, critical decision making. The problem was this. Uh, we also asked the students, we took it a, a step further. You know, great that they nailed what it was going to take to be successful, what the skills were, but we asked them how confident they were, and they lack confidence across the board in those skills. They just feel like they haven't had enough experiences to really um, to test and develop and hone those skills. And they have this expectation that that training is going to happen on the job. That as soon as they graduate, wherever they call home, there's going to be this exceptional onboarding experience. When that isn't the case, you know, on the other side of it, there's an expectation that when they join the organization, they're going to come ready with this set of, of skills. Um, so that disconnect and figuring out how to get students earlier experiences, help them hone those skills early, um, and also just uh, encourage more partnerships between nonprofits and, and college campuses and employers and college campuses, local government. Um, that needs to happen, I think, for everybody to be happy and for this to be a win-win. That's really interesting because I know in, in parts of your research, you, you focus on the fact that they are, well, the, you call them first globals, and I think there's a, a really unique um, moniker right there in the sense that they have this vast depth and, and breadth of experience that's unlike other generations. I mean, the fact that they can, well, I mean, here we are, you're, you're in New York and I'm in Alabama and we're having this conversation using a portal that didn't exist, uh, you know, a decade ago or two decades ago. Uh, so they're, they're very much using technology and they're experiencing travel. 
um, like never before. They're experiencing a lot of things like never before, and yet you're still pinpointing that there is a, a distinct disconnect here. Um, as you talk, because I know you're, you're seeing it from both sides, both the, the student's perspective and those that you're mentoring and working with, but you're also seeing it from the organizational perspective. Right. What are organizations asking you, and what kinds of feedback are you providing them for how they can bridge that gap, so to speak? Well, the organizations, um, I emphasize focusing on, on really three areas, which is how they recruit, uh, how they onboard, and really how they engage them and continue that training and development for future leadership. So um, what I find to be very common is that brands and organizations, occasionally they'll come to me with either one, one of two requests. One is, um, what is going on with young people today? They're frustrated and um, you know, they want me to be the millennial whisperer and talk to the executive team and the senior, senior management team about why they're so different. And, and they, have, they put a lot of, I think, false um, or unnecessary expectations on themselves that they think that they have to dramatically change the organization and become Google. Um, everyone still has these struggles, including Google. Um, so I think that that's one thing. The other side of it is they come to me because they really want to focus on millennials as consumers. I've shared this statistic before, but in 2020, it's estimated that 50% of the workforce in the United States will be millennials. Well, that means that not only will they be the majority of your employees, but the majority of your customers, too, since they're going to eclipse the baby boomers in annual spending by that year as well. So they come to me with these two requests and um, you know we have research and engagements and they do speaking and workshops around those but the test is letting them know that there's two things missing one we have to be talking to your young talent too they have to know that you care about them and that you care about them enough to understand them and that you want to resolve the friction that's in the workplace mm -hmm. and that really they are the um, the I believe they're the most ambitious generation yet. Um, any polling, uh, even the Pew study, looking at millennials and asking them if they want to be the boss one day, they've ranked and responded much higher, men and women, than any other generation before. So they're ambitious, right? And they're they're thirsty, as I mentioned earlier, for training, for skills. So we, you know, there's always an emphasis on executive and management training, which has to happen for sponsorship and buy-in. But it has to happen also that um, you know we're in front of young talent, giving them the tools, and and also in that customer piece, involving um, not not just you know thinking about young customers in your strategy, but involving your younger employees in development, you know, giving an opportunity for interns to voice what they're visions are or ideas even after spending just a couple weeks with you what's the harm in that why not um, make sure that there's a platform at the company to understand what your own employees particularly your younger employees think about your mission your values your products and your, your services and I think about the nonprofit world and we've just got so much on our plates right we're trying to do so much with with less resources everybody's wearing multiple hats um, it's hard to sometimes take a step back and do those strategy sessions and that's where the five questions tool I think is a really simple um, doable resource for for nonprofits no matter what size no matter you know what their um, uh, you know what their mission is to to I think really find and seek out alignment yeah and, and this is an interesting piece because um, one of the things and I want to go back to one of the things you said very early on in our conversation is you said 
that you found voice, confidence, mission, you found a lot of those things within that nonprofit sector, and you're also identifying that there's a current gap here for a lot of our, our millennials as they're leaving higher ed and, and trying to get out of the workforce, and I, I wonder if for, for each of us that's in the nonprofit sector, if maybe this is an opportunity that we've got to look at and start thinking about the fact that we have an opportunity, there's a unique structure here, the, the millennials are a they're, they're a vessel, so to speak, that just need to be poured into, uh, but also can bring really unique impact for us. Uh, I think that's such a, a powerful thing. Uh, you, you just you open the door for the five questions, and so uh, I, I want to just briefly touch those, and if, if you're watching or you're, you're listening to the podcast, one of the things you'll realize is um, Francis Hesselbein will actually be joining us April 7th, and Francis will be talking a little bit more about the, the five most important questions. We'll be digging into that, uh, as well as just sharing all the amazing knowledge that Frances has from, from her experiences and the great love that she has for the nonprofit. Uh, but, but here we are, we're, we're asking some tough questions, and I think one of the things that's really unique here, and I know that you've had your, your hand very strongly in this, Joan, is when you guys re-released the, the update of the five most important questions, you did it with a very intentional focus in creating a millennial portal in here. It, what, how did that conversation go, and just kind of take us through what kind of feedback you're getting from people as they think about this? Um, well, I just think about how this is just thr so thrilling that the book is just a week away to launch since um, the inception of that idea and, and um, knowing that we had access to this resource, to, to Peter's book, The Five Most Important Questions, my passion for millennials and traveling with Francis and just seeing um, that we were starting to really make a deep connection when we would mention um, Drucker's philosophies, or we would talk about some of his quotes of, and, and being the father of modern management. And so I started championing the idea to say, we've got to do a new edition of this book. It has to have a millennial takeaway um, in each chapter. We have to really show that by um, exposing and empowering uh, young people today, um, to understand his philosophy and to use this, that this will strengthen their impact, their power, their influence, and their connection with tenured leaders. And it's a great resource for tenured leaders to reread. Um, I know that most CEOs today are familiar with Peter Drucker, but I travel to college campuses across the country and MBA programs and speak in front of the top companies, their young professionals, and pretty much those under 40, it's rare for me to get a hand raised when I ask, do you know who Peter Drucker is? So um, this is a thrilling opportunity, I think, to really to, to use his wisdom to connect uh, and bridge all generations. And now um, uh, connecting and partnering with the International Drucker Forum, Richard Straub, who leads up that conference out of Austria, Peter Drucker's birthplace. Um, we're just really excited about, you know, once you start to expose young people all over the world um, to Drucker and ask them to comment, ask them how they would use it, it started this really cool conversation. So we're using hashtag the five Q's, T-H-E, five Q-S. Um, and we're starting to see when, you know, we, when we put different quotes out, those from our contributors, our contemporary contributors, our traditional contributors, our millennial contributors, and along with, with Drucker, quotes and, 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 and philosophies and, and just 
it, the dialogue is is really fantastic, um, and I, I think it also will serve for being um, a connector between the sectors too. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that sticks out to me is just how applicable uh, this book is. I, I know a lot of times uh, we we dig in deep to theory and, and we dig into these causes and they're big and, and they worked someplace, um, but it's usually we're dealing with silver bullet mentality is what I tend to call it. Uh, that idea of hey, this is what worked for me, and now here, pick this up and put it down in your organization. And, and I think the flip side is so true here is that the five most important questions are so tailored to each one of us because we're the ones that are answering the questions. And each organization, if we kind of harness the power and the excitement of our millennials and we think about some of the skepticism of our Gen Xers and we, we think about uh, what our, our boomers and our busters have been through, we, we think about the breadth of that organizational narrative we're really digging into a very fertile soil here, and I think that's one of the things that sticks out. Uh, just briefly, let me hit the five cues um, so that if, if you're out there and you're not familiar with them, you, your uh, interest can be piqued, and you can go out and buy your copy, which uh, if you're on the website, uh, the link to the, the book, actually both of, of Joan's books uh, are there on the website. You'll be able to, to check those out. But the first question is, what is our mission? And now that's a simple one in some ways, and yet that's an extremely challenging question for any organization, and, and I know you guys write a lot about this is a, a self-assessment, and it's also a, a reassessment tool, so I think that's one of the things that's really valuable here. Who is our customer? What does the customer value? What are our results? And what is our plan? Right. Joan, I, I look at these things, and obviously these are pretty timeless questions, um, and, and yet the wisdom that's associated with them really does bridge that gap. Take us through kind of the process of, of thinking and how you, you, you bring together that which you understand from First Globals, and, and you connect it to the five Qs, and you think about how does an organization facilitate that conversation? So I've facilitated the five questions, the five most important questions, with all sorts of diverse audiences. Um, I'll share two examples. One, with the junior board of a chamber of commerce. So think about that nonprofit organization, volunteers. Um, most chamber of commerce, uh, you know, locally, globally, nationally, the national organization, are thinking through the issue of how do we get the younger people in our community more involved, turn out to our events, become members, um, and and how do we begin to think about secession management? So here's this group, and I worked with the Greater Utica Chamber of Commerce. They were fantastic, and their their junior group was called Catalyst. And so this was even a breakout idea that they had um, come up with this you know junior board, younger member division. Um, and so that's something that I would encourage with a lot of nonprofits if they don't have junior boards, or if they don't have that structure for young people to contribute, that they do that, while also thinking about having a young younger person um, on their their senior board, as as Francis gave me the honor and opportunity to do. So um it's very easy. So these are simple questions, but they evoke a really profound dialogue. And what you find is sometimes 
something that's who is our customer? You'd think that'd be so obvious, and it just puts out on the table that everybody has sometimes a different perspective, and you see where there's misalignment. And I've seen a really, you know, a very you know animated dialogue about, but this is our customer, but isn't this our customer? And there's primary customers and secondary customers. So my role as facilitator um, of this is to make sure that you know. Obviously, that the conversation really be productive, be really respectful, be innovative, and be allowed to and comfortable and safe to talk about these issues. Because at the end of the day, coming back to the fact that we have to find some alignment, uh, but we also have to be forward thinking and continue to help each other see things from a different perspective. And and so I think about that, and I think about I I um I just filmed a video with uh, Marshall Goldsmith. And you'll you'll see those air soon where Marshall challenged us to use the, the five questions in our personal life and think about what's our personal mission. And he says, you know, you, you come home and maybe, you know, what is most important to you is for me to be a great uh, mother and, a, a, you know, a supportive wife and partner, um, you know, a, a devoted and dedicated daughter, um, but we're so busy and we are so stressed and everything, you know, that wraps up into our, our exhaustion at the end of the day, you know, are we acting and, you know, portraying ourselves and, and centering everything we do around those missions. So it's a, that's a great video um, to, to, to really think about how you can use the five quelps on our five questions on ourself mm -hmm. since we encourage and promote it as a self-assessment self with an organization or as a leader or an organizational assessment. That's that's great. Uh, you know, I'm just looking at all of these pieces and I'm starting to think about there, there's so much here for a leader to be thinking about. I'm thinking about that sense of, of the nonprofit and you pointed out the importance of that dialogue of uh, that, that, that younger board but also engaging uh, that younger individual on a, a board and one of the things we come back to a lot of times in our discussion is, is making sure that we're we're understanding uh, who it is and and there are times that we we see a graying of our board or in some cases a balding of our board um, and, and we, we deal with those kinds of questions and so we lose touch with the current okay right. I was just dealing with an organization here. In fact, uh, I'm sharing with Joan uh, before we went live on air. I've actually uh, worked two two days in a row on the uh, the mission question with two different organizations, doing totally different things using uh, the the five most important questions and using some of that structure. And and one of the things that we struggle with is when we began the organization, we had a customer in mind, and and customer, as Peter points out. It is a is a broad term that's used to identify whether we're talking about a recipient or what whatever that may be uh, in your organization. But the the way we started out, the customer we started out with is not the customer that we have today. And so we have to be to use uh, Jamie uh, Nodder and, and Matty Grant's term. We have to be fluid and fast enough to be able to adapt. And, and I think that's something that's. A, a very valuable piece that millennials are teaching us as well that they're they're co-creating this new space with us. Um, yeah. When when you're out there, Joan, what what kinds of encouragement beyond um, just hey, pick up the five question, the five most important questions, and read it? What other encouragement are you able to give to whether it's a nonprofit or a for-profit or even the government uh, to to deal with these kinds of issues that that changes in our environment? Um, I'll give I'll give you two ideas. Uh, the first is sort of a story. Um, 
out of our research with Barnes Noble College, we found that the number one definition of success to millennials is personal fulfillment, feeling that they what they do makes a difference. So that means how you tie that into the, the five questions, it's question number one, what is your mission? Um, so we don't need to think about it just as getting our team that's already on board aligned with our mission, but as Francis says, is your mission and your values, they just a plaque on the wall? Are you actively, or are you actively doing things to show and demonstrate that you're making a difference in your community? Or are you making sure that each and every person that's a part of your organization, whether you're in uh, a, 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 a department in the government, or a department within um, a private sector company, a private industry, or you are within a, a very small nonprofit, and there's three of you, um, are you making sure that you really feel like your individual role is contributing to a greater mission and that you're aligned there um, and that it means something. It really it really does. Um, and one of the contributors to the first chapter of the five questions, the what is our mission chapter, is my friend Mike Radparvar. And he became my friend after I learned of his story and became of a fan. And he and his brothers quit their job one day. They just couldn't take the, the cubicle life in New York City and, and feeling like they were just in a grind and they could not connect what they were doing with what they truly felt like their purpose was in the world. And they, they wanted to start actually a t-shirt company. But it wasn't about the product. It was they sat down and they just wrote on a piece of paper. They're like, we want to create a company that's about a lifestyle. Um, they wrote down things like, uh, you know, this is your life. Do what you love and do it often. If you don't like something, change it. Ask the Ask the person next to you what their passion is and share your inspiring dream with them. Life is about the people that you meet and the things you create with them. So go out and start creating. So they wrote these things down. They had a friend that was super creative and made this beautiful word for cloud with it. And they posted it on their website and they made a t-shirt out of it. This went viral. It is unbelievable. At this point, it's been shared over a million times, viewed over 60 million times. Um, online, um, translated into over a dozen languages, and it, now it's called the Holstee Manifesto, H-O-L-S-T-E-E. -E. So I share that because they built a company, it didn't matter what the products or services are, because I don't think they make t-shirts anymore, mm -hmm. uh, but around values and what they wanted to be and having spent a lot of time with them and their employees and their team and the community that they've built in Brooklyn, I'm so inspired and that's why I wanted him to share his story. Um, the other thing is just let me give you an innovative idea of what anybody can do to start engaging um, young people, and particularly nonprofits. At the Hesselbein Global Academy every summer, we bring together these 50 students, 25 from all over the world, from the poorest country sometimes, and then 25 from across the U.S., and we teach them, we immerse them in our leadership lessons, anything that we can offer them through the mentors in the program. Then. On the final day, we send them off into the community where we've partnered with nonprofits um, in Pittsburgh who then give the students, here's our challenge, here's our big issue, this is what we're struggling with. And the students have to use the tools that we taught them to turn around an idea in like 90 minutes um, and present it back to the organization. And it's it's extraordinary what the students present. They're brilliant. They're ridiculously creative. They're thoughtful. They're intentional. Um, they think about the mission. They hear it. They you know they absorb it, and then they use their tech savvy nature, their 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 horizontal problem solving, and and basically a nonprofit who wouldn't normally have the means to bring in a uh, a McKinsey or a Booz or a, a Mercer Consulting is able to have this extraordinary. Um, idea, menu of ideas 
from the person that from the group that's ultimately going to be their future employees and, and, and customers or probably is right now. So I, I I encourage everyone to hack that idea and use that, especially nonprofits. And that's such a, a really simple thing. And it's something that most of us are, are sitting in towns across the country or even across the globe in which we have some form of higher educational institution that, that's just it's ripe. It's ripe for this connecting point. And one of the things that I know in your research and in others, um, the work that you're finding is millennials are, are very value-driven and they're, they're very interested in making a better world, not just a better world for themselves, uh, but a better global society. And I think that's a, a great way to find that connecting point. So that's that's fantastic. Thank you, Joan. Um, I want to touch on one last thing here before we before we close. I know you're very invested, both personally and professionally, in mentoring. Yes. Um, a social benefit organization is here, and they're looking at and they're thinking about. Gosh, we've got these young people, uh, these millennial, these these newfangled millennials are here, and what do we do with them? How do you encourage them to go about this mentoring process? Mentoring is just such a big part of my life, and I, I, I feel like whenever I talk to other uh, working professionals, um, especially working parents, um, but even those that are in, just start embarking on their career, they, they, they would often say to me, how do you have time to do this? How do you have time to, to mentor or to volunteer? And until you do it yourself, you'll never understand that you get actually so much more out of it um, than you than you ever could possibly give and that's not the motivation for doing it clearly but it doesn't have to be this really complicated formal thing that your organization takes on a formal mentoring program and we assign this person to that person it's a culture and you have to the first step is being a role model for doing it and actually caring about getting to know another person um, for me that's that's a that's just something I love and I, and I I think that Talking to somebody and finding out, you know, what 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 their dreams are, what their goals are, what their background is. What do you do outside of work? Um, for me, the advantage of that one, um, as as a as a hiring manager or even somebody in the work workplace or, or the work that I do now is, I get to learn about what your strengths are. Maybe I didn't know that. Maybe I had no idea that that at work you are in data and analytics, but on the side you are a troop leader or you're involved in fundraising or you are super active in your church. I care about that to know that because I think that helps me understand you as a person. Um, and I think people are just too scared sometimes to to share their personal within their professional uh, work environment and, and not millennials I and mean, they are who they are they want to bring their whole self to work but sometimes they feel stifled and um, in assimilating to the to certain norms at work so I just think in terms of mentoring know that it just starts with a conversation there everyone knows there's a moment where we're all busy, we all have a million things to do, and we all want to get out and get home to whatever it is that's going on in our personal life. But just stopping by someone's desk or picking up the phone if you work remotely and asking someone, how are you doing? What are you struggling with most lately? Is there anything I can do to help? Literally, it's just that type of culture because I, I do believe that paying it, paying it forward um, I think that it has huge huge uh, value to our society. I actually do think that it leads to better results in, in the bottom line and people feeling more engaged and feeling that people around them support them and care about their contributions more. 
So what you're saying is it could be as simple as a cup of coffee that's shared together in conversation, uh, sitting down at a meal. I mean, these are things that we're, we're naturally doing day in, day out. And so incorporating uh, a, a, an intentional, even though it is, uh, it doesn't have to be formal, can be very informal, but an intentional approach that I think is so fantastic. Uh, now, I, I'm going to um, ask you something. I, I couldn't get off the program here. It's it's mid-March. Um, who do you got for the tournament? I know uh, your, uh, your Pitt Panthers and Jamie Dixon aren't going to be seen in the field of 68, so... Who do you got? No idea. Oh no my idea. god. You've you've hit me. I was just um, saying yesterday to my husband that right now I just feel so out of the loop. Now that uh, you know, obviously Pitt is out of the Big East tournament. They're out of the. It's just um, it's on my to do list. But it just unfortunately sports and and the basketball season has completely escaped me. I've got a, a one and a half year old. Um, so there's just a lot of Sophia the first and and <laughs> in my life. Absolutely. Well, Joan, thank you so much. Folks, I want to remind you, if you have not yet, check out the five most important questions. You can get that. The link to that book is on our website here right next to the video. You can also check out Joan and others in the uh, millennial focus of Nonprofit Performance Magazine. That's at centervisionleadership.org slash magazine. And come back on Thursday night. Thursday night at 9 p.m. at hashtag nonprofit chat. We're digging into this question even more. Jones brought out some unique uh, ideas and focus here for us, whether we're in the millennial generation ourselves or we're that senior leader in a nonprofit. We're thinking about how do we engage uh, in, in the millennial generation and really going back to the, uh, the title of Jones' company, we, we want to find out why millennials matter and make sure that we're uh, acknowledging and living that out. So please be with us Thursday night at 9 p.m. Hashtag nonprofit chat. We're looking forward to the discussion. Joan, thanks again for joining us. It's been quite a pleasure. Uh, make sure you get your copy of the book. It's coming out very soon. Uh, I'm Todd Greer signing off for today's Nonprofit Exchange. Thank you much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.